Well, hello, we are back. Um, I'm Dana. I'm here with Lee and Steve as usual. And we are uh, uh, going to talk about, we're going to kind of jump off what we started last week where we talked about marriage. And um, uh, we had a discussion about whether or not um, you could go to a gay marriage and, and all of those, or a gay wedding rather, and all of those things. And so we thought we would talk about the relationship between men and women. Um, so we defined last time that that marriage is between one man and one woman. That is how the Bible defines it. Um, and so we want to talk about what that looks like. And really, the issues uh, that we're going to talk about today are issues of complementarianism and egalitarian, um, these two sort of opposing viewpoints. And that affects not just marriage, um, that's probably the basic everyday life area that it affects, but it affects a lot of different uh, areas of life, including um, church could maybe work, um, uh, politics or views on some of those things. And so I thought we'd have a discussion. And so I want to start off uh, today just by asking you guys to define what does, we'll start with complementarian. What does, what is a complementarian? What does it mean to be a complementarian? Lee. A complementarian uh, would be someone who believes that men and women are different but complementary to each other in both uh, in God's design, in um, the way they think, because um, we all know men and women think differently from each other. It's hard to it's hard to get away from that, uh, uh, that that men and women have differences that are purposed by God that have been intentionally created by God to be different and yet uh, actually complement each other well. Uh, they are, they're not at odds. At least they should not be at odds according to God's design. Uh, that's an effect of the fall. Uh, but that but that men and women um, in that in that way are um, are mutually beneficial, uh, are not are not opposed and are not identical. Okay. Um, Steve, anything to add? No, I think uh, you... I think he kind of explained it well. It, it you almost need to talk about them both to sort of highlight the differences in order to sharpen the picture. Okay, so let's go into that. What? How would you define um, egalitarian or uh, um, a, a relationship that is egalitarian between a husband and a wife? So e egalitarianism is the uh, thought or the belief that there's, apart from the undeniable uh, anatomical differences between male and female and man and woman, man and woman are without distinction in uh, certainly value and complementarians would affirm that for sure, uh, but not just value, but they are in, in many ways almost interchangeable parts in terms of role, function, responsibility, the parts that they have to play in the family and church and government and society. There should not be any uh, distinction. You're not called to be different things distinct from one another in any way by God or anybody else. And all of the historical differences we see when it comes to what we might call traditional uh, sex roles between men and women, that's all a result of the fall. That's just 
curses upon humanity manifesting themselves. That's never what God intended. And part of being redeemed is to wash all of those distinctions away so that it's just, like I said, interchangeable parts, essentially. A man and a women. What'd you say? A man and a women. <laughs> Stop it. They're not interchangeable. <laughs> so so you use that phrase, inter interchangeable parts. Um, if if men and women are uh, like an interchangeable, um, so it doesn't matter what dad teaches. It doesn't matter what which mom teaches, right? It doesn't matter. Um, you, you, the logical conclusion, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but the logical conclusion is it doesn't matter if you have two dads and two moms or a dad and a mom, right? If they're interchangeable, it doesn't matter if you have two of the same. Yeah, right? I think that uh, the, the inevitable uh, place you're going to end up eventually, and there are many people who would claim to be egalitarian who would not affirm some other arguments that are happening in our society and maybe a, a subject for another podcast of ours, or maybe we'll get into it today, I don't know, but uh, who would deny like some of the transgender arguments. But I do think that you're already on the slippery slope to get there. You might not get there for a year or 20 years or 50 years or whatever, but as soon as you say, well, there really isn't any difference between men and women, then now you're introducing some confusion and what it, that even means to be a man or a woman. And what, you know, if, if there's not certain things that you were designed by God to fulfill and to do and a part to play in family, church, government, society, whatever it may be, it does if it doesn't matter, then you've already begun to blur the lines and you're headed to some strange places that are for sure not I think you're already in biblically indefensible territory. I think we would all say that, but you're you're headed to places that are just and are anti-biblical they're not just yeah. unbiblical they're they're yeah. hostile to the truths of scripture yeah. yeah if they were to follow the logic all the way through and not apply the brakes at various points which is usually what happens within the general christian egalitarian world they'll apply the brakes and stop at a certain point but if you follow that logic all the way through yes you do end up i think in that same transgender um, uh, every, every person is just an individual automaton. You can define whatever you are in whatever categories you think people exist in, you know, you eventually get there if you take all the breaks off and follow the logic all the way through. But some people are just conscientious get... enough to stop before it goes too crazy. Yeah. So even before we get there, there, there are, um, I want to make this clear. There are egalitarian Christian, like genuinely believe, yeah. but have a different yes. view than what we're saying. Yeah. So there are genuine believers who have trusted in Christ. So they're they're going to be in heaven, right? Yeah. But they're egalitarian. Mm -hmm. um, and we're gonna I want to go back to that in a minute. But yeah. where I think we were going with that is th those would say, and, and there are unbelievers that are saying the transgender movement is going right. too far, right? So it's not yes. even a distinctly Christian thing, but that they're saying, like, okay, so when we're talking about um, like there's only two sexes, male and female. 
um, you can't change from one to the other. The, the, you can't be fluid. Um, uh, but there are those in, in, so before we get to that, where you use the term, you know, the applying the brakes, before we get to that break, um, if, if, if man and woman or, or husband and wife or mom and dad, if they are completely equal, right? So mom says everything dad can do, I can do better, right? So if they're completely equal, then it doesn't matter. Um, th there's no distinct role for one or the other, and they can be replaced with, you know, another, uh, another person of the same gender, right? Or sex. Yeah. So if mom decides she wants to just have, you know, be a lesbian now, she can have another woman in there and, and two women can raise children. This is the argument. They're saying two women can raise children just as effectively or two men just as effectively as a, a husband and wife, right? Or a man and a woman can. And so it naturally leads to that. Not in every case, obviously, but that's sort of the trajectory that the argument goes, right? Okay. And, and I it think, begins. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. I, I think that that is something that we would, as, as complementarians, specifically within the the family, the institution of the family. What we would argue is that children need a father and a mother because a father is going to provide certain things for that children that the mother won't. And the mother is going to provide certain things for those children that the father won't or to a less extent, they're going to emphasize different things. And so there is a optimal blessing for children to have a father, a man mm -hmm. married to his wife, right. your mother, right. that is the ideal and the idea that, well, actually, you don't even need a man in the house at all, or you don't need a mother or a woman in the house at all, isn't the ideal. And I don't think that's a hard argument to make now that we've tried this experiment with that as, yeah. a, as an American culture. Like you can point out where things don't all don't often don't go well with either one out of the picture. It, well, I mean, it can't even happen without a, a woman in the picture. You know, we've had uh, we there were some Twitter dust ups about some actual like politically conservative. Excuse me. Excuse me. It's X. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry. X formerly Twitter. <laughs> no, you don't have to say that anymore. It's just X. <laughs> there was so a, everybody there was... knows he means Twitter. Yeah. There were many. There were great many zeets about uh uh. <laughs> About uh, <laughs> speaking of trans <laughs> language, right? Uh, Twitter transitioned. Um, so there were some, a, a couple uh, culturally conservative commentators who were gay who um, had a had a surrogate um, bear a child for them. And um, it was it was interesting to see how that played out. I, and there's a there's a complementarian aspect to this too, because even though they want to escape that design that men and women produce children, they still had to have a woman. But they only they only needed her in the picture, just in a merely in the physical aspect. They needed basically to rent her for nine months yep. to bear this child. But they're going to pretend that they're dad and dad to this to this child who obviously needed 
a physical mother. They're going to deny that child uh, an actual mother to raise him or her, but they couldn't deny that 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 child actually needed a mother to literally live. And that's part of the inherent silliness in some of this egalitarian stuff because you that that false couple, that man and a man couple, literally could not have a family if it wasn't for God's design that they were intentionally subverting and yet could not actually subvert. And even in yeah. even in some of the um, controvert, you know, some of the posts that you saw about that I saw about that too, about like some of the surrogacy and stuff. So there's so much wrong with that. Um, you know, from essentially buying children, renting, mm -hmm. you know, renting and discarding the mother. Yeah. Um, and, and, but there's also the element to it of in so many of the pictures that you see where they're making this birth announcement, there's, there's clearly uh, not to be, uh, I'm not going to go too far down this road, but there's clearly a masculine dad and a oh, yeah. not as masculine dad yeah you know like they and they purposefully do that often. and it, that's like, mirrored in lesbian couples too that way. yeah what's that that's mirrored in in lesbian couples as well yeah there's yeah a, a so masculine so and a femme yeah there's a presenting of themselves that way and that's actually there's a passage in um first corinthians that in the esv it translates it men who practice homosexuality but it's actually two separate categories, and it and it's it's that category, right? Mm -hmm. That we just talked about the more masculine, the more feminine. The I'm not going to go any yeah. further than that. But there's those two categories. Um, that's actually what happens is you have one uh, who takes on the role of a of it's not really even a mom, but the like the mother figure, the more maternal, mm. um, yeah. feminine style, and so so even in our nature, like even you can't escape it right sinners know this whether they yeah. were ready to admit it or not they know that there's actually there's actually something to this how god created us so yeah. that's probably far enough down that road <laughs> to go back to the <laughs> to, let's get back to oh, oh, so i had a note things. one of the things i wanted to mention Good. before was just in regard to we'll, we'll take it back to actual marriage um yeah. heterosexual couple that is egalitarian um they're going to to deny um the the specific male and female roles but even that isn't an across the, the board thing because it kind of depends on what masculine roles the wife wants to take and then that leaves whatever feminine roles she doesn't want to leave to the husband and so being right. an egalitarian husband is going to look different depending on what woman he's married to and it's going to be the same for being an egalitarian wife is going to look completely different depending on what husband she's married to. Uh, although usually oh. it's it's whatever whatever traditionally male role she wants to have, she'll take and then leave right. whatever traditional female role she doesn't want, she'll leave to the husband. So so he takes he follows her lead. Exactly. Yes. Typically, which is a distortion yes. we're saying so we're design. coming at this from a complementarian point of view, right? We're saying that's actually a distortion of how God made uh, yeah. male and female. He created them. Like that's a distortion of how God made men and women yeah. um, for the, for the husband to sit back and wait for, you know, her to lead. Um, that's, that's a distortion. Yeah. So, so, so let, let's get into that then. So um, the idea of, so we're coming at this from a complementarian point of view. 
um, we believe that the scriptures are complementary and that that is how God created um, Adam and Eve, right? That's how God created us. And uh, a little bit ago, and, and we're sort of talking about family and parenting, but there's a, more realms to this as well. And so I want to touch on at least, um, I can think of four different realms that these things touch into. Uh, so home, so family life, we talked about that. Then there's the church, and we're all elders here at the church. So this is, I want to spend a little bit of time on that. And then there's government. Um, uh, so the, so these are the three realms of authority that God created, right? So the, so the, um, and it goes from, from, you know, closest to furthest away. So the, the closest or the tightest authority is going to be a family. That means the family has the authority to make the decisions for where you're going to eat tonight, where you're going to live, where you're going to go to school, those kinds of things. They have the, the most intimate authority is within the family. Then there's the church, um, and so we as elders and and just as co-Christians, co-laborers, we have the authority to speak into one another's lives just because we're in Christ's church. So if I see, if you see me sinning, you have, I've already given you the authority because I became a member of the church to say, you know, to tell me, stop doing that. You're causing damage to you or whoever. Um, so you have authority, and and our authority as elders, the church's authority is rooted in God's word. Actually, all of the authority is rooted in God's word, yeah, right, but right. but we have a specific realm. So a dad can come to us and ask for parenting help, or husbanding help, or um, you know career decisions or whatever, and we can help them with those things. But our authority over them only goes so far, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can't tell I can't tell you guys what you are to do for work, <laughs> right? I can give advice. <laughs> yeah. We can search the scriptures together. I can tell you, hey, you're gifted at this or that. But I don't have any authority to say you should do this. You should, you know, Steve, you should go back to work and be a, a cop in, in Dublin or something. You know, like you should just. I don't have any kind I'm, of authority. I'm glad you say that because there are actual churches in our area that have pastors that think they can do that and they exercise that power over people, lord it over them. Uh, yeah, that's that's bad news. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it is bad. But... That 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 so and that goes in with where we're going here. So the the next realm is the the most um, th this it's designed to be from scripture as the least amount of authority, which is the authority of government. Um, and, and I'm just going to put all of government in one category. There's, it, it goes, you know, there's the close government. So the local all the way out to Township, you know, county, Washington, D.C. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but the government doesn't have authority to tell you what you can eat. Yeah. The government doesn't have the authority to tell you what time you need to go to bed or what kind of job you can have or what kind of car you can drive. They don't have that authority. Now, they do have the authority to tell you that you can't drive recklessly in a way you can't drink and drive. Like there is a, that mm -hmm. kind of authority because it's a safety issue. There's also the authority of, they have the authority to say, no, you cannot um, uh, discipline your children by beating them to death, you know, or by, you know, abusing them. Like they, they do have that kind of And authority. I've been writing to my state Senator all about that. We're going to get that overturned. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, when we're talking about these realms, there's one more that touches might touch on this, and that is um, uh, work or employment. So when we talk about complementarianism in um, home, church, government, and even work, um, what, how does this, uh, how does our view of um, God's intention for man and woman, how does that fit into those realms? So that's kind of a broad question. Let's start with, um, we've already kind of talked about home. Let's, let's move to church. We can come back to home if we need to, but let's move to church. H how has God created man and woman, male and female, to, um, uh, to work within those roles within the church? Are there restrictions, for example? So I think one, one key way, and, and probably the way that most people, when they consider complementarianism and the church, think about it, is that um, complementarians would strongly support and exercise um, the principle that only qualified men should be in leadership. Um, so to be an elder, to be a pastor, um, and even to be a deacon, I know even though there's some disagreement there among some uh, um, some complementarians, but um, as a model of of God's design uh, in wanting to be faithful to his design, not only for the world, but especially over his church, um, in, in the clear teaching of scripture on top of it, um, is that only only qualified men should serve as as pastors, elders, and 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 deacons as well. Um, that that would be my opinion um, of of the church. So so women, it's not people will call it a limitation on women. Women can't attain to those levels. Um, th that's not to mean that that role is more important than um, you know uh, the nursery volunteer or Sunday school teacher, which which men yeah. and women uh, can hold. Uh, even though I actually think women are better uh, at helping in the nursery than than, than men typically are. Um, but again, this is part of that complementary bifurcation that God has put in our design. Um, I don't want to skip into the I have I have opinions on this and, and insight on the market, the, the job market, um, but I think it will be analogous to what I'm saying here is that there are roles in the church where not so women are, are for all intents and purposes, right, excluded from formal leadership in the church, but really not excluded from um, other roles of service that any uh, any member of that church could be part of. Um, and women serve in the body of Christ um, it, it just as well and in complementary ways as men do as well. Um, so um, typically the, the the best person to lead, uh, the women's Bible study, right, is a, a qualified woman, a woman, a woman who knows how to how knows the Bible, knows how to teach the Bible. Um, you, you're typically going to find it that way. Um, and men to teach men's groups, for example. So, so let, me, an let me answer, but let's go back to the structure part of it, because so you, you brought up um, pastor, elder, overseer, and deacon. Um, so our uh, stance is that pastor elder and overseer are all the same office right that that's that's the stance of of our elders um i would nuance it i like the word nuance sometimes i would nuance it just a little bit to say that i think the office is elder 
uh, which is the comes from the Old Testament. The, the elders were the um, uh, they were literally the older men in the in the community, and they would sit at the city gates and judge. They would rule um, uh, their their locality. Um, and so that's that's where that idea comes from. An overseer uh, in the older, um, like in King James, it's usually translated bishop. Um, it's episkopos is the Greek. That is um, uh, the same role. Overseer comes from the Greek culture. Um, but I, I like from the imagery in English, I like the idea of the elder being um, the office. That's what that's what all three of us are. Plus, we have a couple others um, is that's our office overseer are the guys that so I, i'm just making a this is a real nuanced like distinction overseer are often their elders but usually they they have a full-time job elsewhere um they're not doing it professionally they're not you know not pastors they're they're they come in they're not as um uh they're not in the trenches every single week right they have full-time jobs other responsibilities and they, they often come in and help make big picture decisions with the same authority as, as their elders. So with the same authority as everybody else, but they often come in and, and I might say, okay, here's an issue that I need some help with. We've done this. We do this every month. Um, and the guys will help o provide oversight to the church. I like that imagery. Um, and then the, the pastor is usually used as a um, either a gift, like in Ephesians, uh, chapter four, or it's used as a as a verb to shepherd the flock of God. And so, I'm an elder in the church. Um, uh, I'm I have a gift of of pastoring. I've been given to pastor the church, and it is my response. What I do, it's my responsibility. So I wanted to make that distinction because I think that that um, that comes into the discussion when we start saying. Um, that it doesn't matter if men are, uh, if, if men and women, like anybody can be an elder, uh, man or woman. Um, uh, when we start bringing in um, egalitarian thought, well, let me ask it this way. Where does that come from? Do you guys know? Where the does idea, that come from? The idea that, um, so, so in First Timothy, and in Titus, Paul makes it really clear that um, uh, elders are men. It's, it's even almost understood. You know, they are to be the husband of one wife, um, keeping their families in order, those kind of things. It's very man or, or it's, it's very um, uh, masculine just in how he's describing it. And so where do egalitarians um, where do they get, well, even though it says that, we don't really think it means that we think anybody can be an elder. Do you know? I, I think one of the places they will sort of plant their flag is they will talk about things like, I feel called, I have the ability, okay. I have, so, so and I, I think, I, I think you guys would agree with this. We're not arguing as complementarians that you like don't have any ability to do things that the Bible says are, are reserved for men. Mm -hmm. But we're also saying that's not the issue. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it, the question is that this is not hinge on 
who feels called to do this, who feels like they'd be really good at this, if I feel like I would be good at it, and I am, therefore, I'm allowed to do it, is asking all the wrong questions. That's, that's the, I think we would respond to that, that way. So we're not denying that in the same way within the family. And when we talk about uh, headship and in, in within a marriage, it's not because of all the men's superior, larger brains helping <laughs> out the stupid women. That's not the case. Like you, you maybe, the, the the wife is actually quite much brighter than the, her husband. This isn't, you're asking the wrong questions. That's not, we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about God handing down, because he has the authority to do this, certain roles, which are consistent with how he designed his creations. And we are to submit to those roles and, and live in accordance to those not that, but I think I can do it. And very often the rationale for many things and, and that are turn into hot button issues that our society are, yeah, but I I think I can do it. I, I want to do it. And so therefore it's legitimate. And if you tell me I can't, you're the real evil one. Yeah. And and, and we we get way off the rails on that. It it it's and I, I do think a lot of egalitarian arguments are going to come down to, yeah, but I can preach. We we all know women who are very effective teachers, teachers and the Bible right. actually does carve out a place for the older women to teach the younger women. Doesn't eliminate any possibility of that, but it, right. it, it gets back to authority within the church and the Bible, any sincere reading of the Bible makes it repeatedly in many places clear that authority in the church and these offices is reserved for men. So, so you hit on something there um, in the whole idea of, um, I feel like, like, I feel like I'm, um, they might not even use the word feel, although that's what they're really saying. I'm gifted at this job preaching. Okay. I'm gifted at preaching. I'm gifted at leadership. Um, therefore, I should be able to do this. Um, the Bible says that it's an office for men. Uh, so what we're doing is elevating my thinking, my what I feel like, or my um, you know my own ability and experience over what Scripture says. That's super dangerous because that's where we get like the logical progression of. Um, you know, this guy's this guy's a homosexual, but he's a really gifted communicator. He says he loves Jesus, but he's in a gay relationship. But 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 you know, let's just discount that and make him the pastor. Right. Now now all of a sudden, that's that's actually what's happening. Right. Every I'm gonna my thesis or my uh theory is, um, and it's not just mine, that Every denomination that ordains women into pastoral ministry will eventually, if they haven't already, ordain homosexuals into pastoral ministry. And then, the like, that's where your plus comes in at the end of the letters, right? It just keeps moving. It just keeps moving to the left. 
um, because then it goes to trans and, and we're seeing that in, you know, different denominations that have a long time ago ordained women in the ministry, then, you know, started to bless gay marriages or gay union, whatever unions, uh, then perform them, then ordain them into the ministry then it goes to trans and it just keeps going down that road and it goes further and further away from holding fast to the truth in any way. This always comes down to the question of authority of scripture. Amen. Yeah. Always. This, this always comes down to a, a, a sound uh, interpretation of what this actually means. Is, do I like that or not? Right. And am, am I willing to graciously, joyfully submit to that or not? Does God even have the right to tell me I cannot maintain one family in Columbus, Ohio, and another second family in Louisville, Kentucky, even if I'm really good at it? <laughs> you know, dad, right. the traveling salesman actually is a really good, gracious, attentive dad and romantic husband and all those other things, a great provider. What if I'm really good at it? Well, the question comes down to, does God have the right to say, no, you're not allowed to do that. Right. And oftentimes our answer is, God, who do you think you're talking to? I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> right. And we would say, that's some dangerous territory, dude. Uh, you might not want to do that. You know, a part of the error too, not only, you know, the the sola feels kind of thing that, that we're talking about. It's also to borrow from C.S. Lewis, I think a bit of chronological snobbery too, and just general mm -hmm. progressivism, meaning, you know, we're in the modern world now. It's 2024, and women still can't be pastors in every denomination of the church. We've got to fix this. Uh right. and and so there's there's this appeal to well we're modern people we we should be better than people were in the past so let's go ahead and, and start being better than them uh, in our way <laughs> the way that we say is better uh, right and I, I something that's so crucial for a lot of things but um, but for this as well is the fact of of um, the created order of of um, you know to a certain degree natural law you know to to go back to um, the creation, uh, to, so, so many of these things are rooted in creation. Um, and we, I could go on for a whole episode about truths of our lives that are actually rooted in creation. Um, mm. but this is, this is one of them that, that, uh, male, male headship, um, and the shirking of male headship coming with curses is, is basically the, the story of Adam and Eve, uh, falling uh, in the garden. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, I think we would, we certainly would, would do well to heed that error, even though we're already living under that curse, but, um, we should recognize God, God had an, an, an a particular intention for, for men to lead, uh, and, and women to follow and to help each other, uh, yeah. actually to be help. Adam needed a helper. He needed a help mate. Um, and, and we've lost that in, in these egalitarian battles, um, and, and we've lost the idea of men having to take responsibility and actually lead uh, in their marriages, in their families, in, in whatever sphere that God's placed them as a leader. Uh, they need to actually lead and not, you know, 
maybe to quote uh, former President Obama, to lead from behind, <laughs> to, to be standing behind people. They're marching forward. I'm not really following them. I'm just leading from the rear <laughs> instead of from the front. Uh, In the rear with the gear. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that if if that is like the snapshot of the modern world is is that very thing stick the men in the back make them think they're leading but but the women are going to are going to bring things forward and into the fair modern world right well that's the that's the way i know we probably harp on this maybe we've talked about it before but that's the way that like pop culture presents fatherhood or husbands you know is mom's actually the one in charge dad is kind of the buffoon the class Here's another clown. beer go watch tv right we'll, right, we'll right. solve the family problems right yeah and uh and, dad and there there of... are dads that function that way oh sure and that's and there are, that's and there are sinful and, and and there are um moms who are really good at like running mm-hmm. things right yeah. that 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 those dads need like she was created for him but the yeah. whole idea of just dad's a buffoon and he's just going to be in the you know recliner with a beer while mom takes care of everything that's not the way that god designed um uh the marriage to look like and, and it's not the way god designed the church to look like either yeah um you know the role of the role of the the elders pastors overseers elders the role of the elders is to uh tend my flock feed my sheep feed my lambs right like care for the the flock of god that that he has entrusted to us so uh the shorthand that people use is lead feed and protect like that's our job as elders it's not my wife's job she helps me she talks to a whole bunch of people at church and and you know on sunday afternoons we debrief who did you talk to today i talked to this person this person like I'm yeah. sure it, like that, that happens all the time. I get information. Like if I need to know something about someone, right. So if somebody's struggling with something and, and maybe they talk to, to one of the elders wives and then she tells her husband and, and, and he, you know, Steve tells us like, Hey, we need to help these people. Um, that's, that's essential because there are people who are not going to talk to the, to the men, but they'll <laughs> tell our wife something or they'll tell, you know, uh, other ladies in the church who want, to be sure that they get the help that they need, the the shepherding that they need, and so that's how it's supposed to work. That's how it was designed to work. Um, yeah. So, can I can so, I add one other yeah. thing here? I think yeah. one thing that is important for us to recognize because we're we're on team complementarian, right? So one one of the things we need to recognize is often there's plenty of blame to go around, and and when we see from our perspective where women are stepping into roles that men should hold. Sometimes that's happening because some dude won't get off the couch and leave. Yes. Right. And eventually Mm -hmm. guess what women are going to do? Like somebody has got to deal with this. And so this isn't how it was designed to be, but if you have like, we see that in the garden, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's uh a creep who has slithered into the garden and somebody is assigned to deal with this and he didn't do it. And so then his wife did and it went, they just kept going downhill from there and she took the lead that he should have taken. So now it's not always that. I mean, sometimes it's, 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 he, it's more complicated than just, 
all these women are elbowing the guys out of the way who are just sincerely trying to do the right thing. That could happen sometimes too. That could be what it is. But sometimes it's just some negligence on the part of the fellas. And then eventually someone has to deal with the crisis or the mess or or whatever. And now we've got the roles reversed all of a sudden. Well, if you look at the history of it, that's exactly what you're saying. So um, by and large, I'm sure there's um, examples outside of this and further back in history, but by and large, this has not been that big of an issue since like the early 1900s. And that's when that's when we started to see, you start to hear a little bit more about women preachers, women evangelists. Um, uh, and, and, and really, if you look at the roots of it in, in these denominations that are now fully egalitarian, it started where you have um, a woman who is, who, who is a gifted teacher or at least public speaker. Amy Semple McPherson. <laughs> there you go. A, a, good, a good and persuasive, not good. Well, a good public speaker, yeah. persuasive personality, didn't have a good handle. Knows how to spirit, ride a motorcycle. Uh. <laughs> yeah, doing doing all the things right is able and apt to step up and lead. So you have in, in several. Uh, I don't know so much about her case, but in several cases, you have a, the guys are just not doing. They're just not even coming anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have a bunch of ladies, a bunch of moms and grandmas and, and, and women showing up to church and there's either no men or, you know, or very few, or there's none that are willing to step up and say, you know what, I'll lead. Yep. And so the women do. Yep. And, and then, and they're capable, right? Yeah. They're capable of doing those things and they end up, history shows, um, oh, it works. The Bible says this, but this works. And so mm-hmm. they start doing it. And that's where you start seeing denominations shift their um, their their doctrinal beliefs. And now you're starting to see ordination of women and all of these things, like not just in a local church where it works, but you can grow up and become a pastor, right? Little, little Susie yeah. or whatever. And so they now they're going to seminary and like learning and it becomes a career path. And um, now it's not it, it's it's not a necessity. It's just an option, right? Of, of you can have a man or a woman. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, we'll just hire somebody to be this to fill this role, or somebody will step into this role. Um, but it started off as a need that men were failing miserably to meet, and um, and so you know it, it's sort of like um, this is a cr- not a crude analogy, but um, it's sort of like, uh, let's say, uh, let's say a widow, right? So husband dies young, dies early, and now she has to do everything that he used to do a bunch of it, whether it was work outside the home, you know, feed the pigs, whatever. He used to do a bunch of that work and she steps in and has to do it. And over a lifetime, we, we've all known grandmas that have had to do this and have been really good at it like they Mm -hmm. they thrived even though it was not as god intended they did that job that was not what god intended for a a marriage to be that that you know it was it was disordered in that he had died um or left or whatever but it was disordered they stepped in and did the job lee you're gonna say something no no no. i was agreeing with you okay yeah so yeah so so that's what like I want to be 
clear that the roots of this often, not always, obviously, but the, often the roots of this is a failure of the man, men, to step up and do what God has called us to do. That was Adam's, you, you guys have both said it, that was, at, and, and she gave to her husband who was with her. Like, like he, Oof. he was standing there, at like, or sitting in his re- easy boy, watching all this play out. Oh, she's got it. She, there's a dragon over there talking to her. She's got it. Yeah, that does. Right, I'll try it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, why not? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. And Adam is held responsible that, like, all through the scriptures, Adam is held responsible for his sin, which was not stepping yeah, it's, up it's not the curse of eve right? you know that we're talking about right there's right. no second eve no matter how much the papists want to try but uh it's adam and the last adam <laughs> yeah i, I hey, think so, one of the, the strongest arguments that we, we, there are many but that we would make for this idea of he, the male headship within the the family unit is that Adam gets the blame like thousands of yeah. thousands of years later. It's all laid at Adam's feet. It doesn't yep. mean Eve didn't do anything wrong, but ultimately Adam, the ship sank and it's your fault because you were assigned to be the captain of the ship. Don't point any fingers at the crew. I mean, that's or, what and, federal and, headship's all about. And yeah. federal just meaning covenantal. So the covenant with, with Adam, he fails mm-hmm. Um, so the failure of that that plays upon all the rest of us in his posterity, um, uh, it, it's 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 in Adam's name. It's Adam's curse, uh, and you know. So there's there exists federal headship um, within the marriage covenant you know, as well. It's just it's just the way God's designed it. How how would you guys have both used the word headship? How would you define headship? Uh, having if somebody a head. came in and said, "What are you talking about?" having a head well so i i i would start to describe it and we could go a really long time just on this of course right but i I would start to describe it as if you're going to uh get married take a wife which oftentimes tends to lead toward children and, and and start a family you as the guy are taking on the responsibility of being the head of this family and establishing the culture of this family and the and the worldview and the values and it's kind of interesting that this is inevitable even if you don't want to deal with it so if you say i don't care about church i don't care about the things of god this isn't important to me i just want to sleep in and eat cinnamon rolls on sunday morning you know what inevitably tends to happen with your wife and children they follow your lead on that yeah if you say we cheer for this team. We hate this team. You know what the kids tend to end up doing? <laughs> cheer for that team and hate this other team because yeah. they do tend to follow your lead. If you want you know, to get as a as church leaders, if we want to get the wives and the children, you know who we should be fixing our uh, theological sights on? It's the men because if we can yeah. get the men, we will get the wives and the children because this is just how it was designed and it just works this way so so the the headship is in some ways just hardwired into humanity in an undeniable way 
and just shirking it off actually doesn't even get you out of it. It's still, it still works. Yeah. That, so statistically, that whole idea of reaching the men, um, I, I remember when I started at the church, somebody asked me, we used to have a big Awana program and um, they used to like back in the old days, they would talk about how, you know, oh, we would have, you know, a couple hundred kids every, every, I think it was on Wednesday nights and or a hundred and something kids, whatever. And that's a lot of kids. And it, especially we're pretty small. Back then we were a third of the size we are now. And, and um, uh, I remember like thinking, where, where are they? Where, where are they now? Like that was, mm. you're talking 10 years ago, where are those kids? And um, statistically speaking, um, you know, I, I don't remember the percentages, but, you know, lots of church outreach programs are aimed at children, like Awana type of programs. Those are good programs. Those are fine. They're teaching scriptures, all of that. But statistically speaking, you will reach the entire family for Christ. It's in the single digit percentage wise. It's small amount of people will actually reach the entire family it's a little bit bigger if you if you can reach um like teenagers it's a little bit bigger if you can reach moms but if you can reach the dad it jumps exponentially if a yeah. if a dad um comes to church and puts his faith in christ it's it's like 75 percent of the time it's something it's large it's um, huge yeah. the rest of the family comes and also accepts christ and and uh that that just like you can't you can't get away from that that, that which goes to what steve was saying so you know for uh, whatever what <laughs> i've had like three thoughts going through my head at one time you know so it's no wonder that the world <laughs> wants especially to keep men out of church right uh right. all all of the best dad tv happens uh, early, either you know Sunday morning, uh, or or early enough in the afternoon that if he does go to church, he's only thinking about what's what's happening on TV later, uh, later in the yeah. day, uh, or it. sporting events, uh, um, whatever other activities. The the world seems to want to keep men at home on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. think that's by accident, uh, by any means. You know, we're we are coming up on Super Bowl Sunday after all. There's going to be a lot of men in the world that are blocking off that entire day and devoting it to that one television event. Um, I don't believe in coincidences. Uh, I don't think the enemy does anything by accident. Uh, but that's just one example uh, of that of that kind of thing. So, um, and, so and I, I think and the world the hates men. Thing, period. The, yeah. The the other thing that the world desperately wants to do is if you're going to go to church, the world wants the church to be a, a feminized place mm. with a predominantly feminine culture led by women where men are diminished and, and put on the back burner. So the little boys who are dragged there by their moms want to get out of there as soon as they have the option to stop going. Mm -hmm. And we don't, we, we want to paint the church in pastel, soft, gentle colors so that there isn't anything remotely masculine about the place right. because of this phenomenon where we see as the men go, everybody kind of tends to go. So you could have the church as long as it's not a particularly masculine, manly 
place that sort of repels the men in, in some sense. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to be, this is not my cup of tea. I don't want to be here. I'll go to a sports bar, right? Or whatever. <laughs> I'll go golfing or whatever. You know, that, that that's a very effective strategy on the part of the enemy to, yeah, you can have your church, but let's do it like this. Well, I think I think there's an overreaction to that too, right? So, so for too long, um, church seemed to many men like like going to church at grandma's house, right? Like it was just like cookies, and you know, you're on your best behavior for a little bit, and you, and you sort of deal with the doilies and whatever, um, and and then and then you you leave so you can go watch football or, or play football or, or whatever, work on your tracker or something, and but now there's a um, there's been over the last 20 years, there's been this like pushback against that, but it goes it swings so far in the other direction where we're just like, you know, we need to be men. And, and then like it becomes cowboy church. Yeah. Or heavy metal church or, you know, yeah. name your, like, there's a bunch of those things out there where people are like, we're going to reach the men and we're going to, you know, we're going to hike and stuff, but never talk about scripture. <laughs> it's, it's right. Just, yeah. yeah. We're going to do manly things. Yeah. However, that's defined, and 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 yeah, not talk about scripture, not talk about loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Which yeah, is, I, th- I think that's the key: is that it's a caricature of what manhood yeah. mm-hmm. ought to be, not actual. Like men should care about who God is. What's wrong with the world? How can what's wrong with the world be made right? What like like big deep theological questions? Mm-hmm. Protectors of women as opposed to sort of some sort of gross machismo users of women and like mm-hmm. right. like this doesn't have anything to do with how much you bench press. That's not like that that's <laughs> not what we mean by uh making church a masculine place i it doesn't matter how high your truck sits up off the ground or any of that like that is not it and very often dana you're right somebody does some weird like kind of sad actually caricature of of manhood that is just like oh well there's probably some feminists who won't like this so we'll do it <laughs> well the church is it called to like annoy the feminists like that's not what we're that's not the mission that's not what it's about you know we're (laughs) off task again and that will eventually get boring and guys will leave that too yeah that's that's uh i won't use his name but that was a guy i'll just we'll call him a dark mariscal that was like that (laughs) who's to say who that could be yeah i don't know i don't know who that yeah it was just dark mariscal but yeah uh that that was a guy who lights couches on fire every november (laughs) true right that, that, same same that, playbook it's, it's it's like yeah because because the guy who like couches on fire every november is just the new dark mariscal like mm-hmm. it's just it's sort of like repackaging it same to thing. say yeah men need to smoke cigars and get together and drink whiskey and like like that's what it means to be a man and light things on fire and blow things up and you have flamethrowers but no that's not being a man is it being a husband is loving your wife and giving yourself up for her, just as Christ did for the church. So that means that 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 might mean I'll, I'll say it might mean going home at night and helping with the children, changing diapers, 
doing the dishes, doing women's work, <laughs> right? Yeah. As people say, <laughs> that might mean those things. It, it might mean sitting on the floor with your, you know, two-year-old reading the Bible or reading, you know, kids books, um, doing things that are loving. It, it's going to, it is going, it is going to mean those things. It is going to mean um, uh, some sort of family worship or family devotions, leading your family in reading the scriptures. It is going to mean, even when nobody feels like it, it is going to mean going to bed earlier on Saturday night so that everybody stays awake during church on Sunday. It is going to mean getting them there on time on Sunday. That's hard to do. Right? It is hard to do. It is. It absolutely Ordering your is. affairs on Saturday to get ready for Sunday is, is so hard. Boy, you know, we could talk about the Sabbath, but the concept of the, the Jewish concept of um, the day being from sundown to sundown um, is so helpful if you think of preparing for this lord's day that mm -hmm. way that it's sundown on saturday night i'm going to set everything aside and start preparing for sunday morning yeah anyway that's an aside oh that could be but, an episode <laughs> but but um to be a complementarian is is not to be uh, it's not even to be man centric right like we're we're complementarian, but we're not complementarian, right? <laughs> we 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 are going to as so as um, elders in the church, as um, husbands and fathers, the men of our church are going to um, sacrifice themselves and our own wants, our own desires, in order to serve others, whether that is our wives, our children, others in the church. That's the role. That's what a complementarian man does he loves others more than himself um he loves his wife more than himself yeah i i think that's really important that the you know ephesians 5 talks about husbands loving with a christ-like love and dying to themselves so right. like i don't have as much time to golf or go hang out with all my boys because I'm going to go home and read books to little children right. or I'm going to go home and help with the laundry, or I'm going to go home and do these things for these people who are bound to me and I've uh, covenanted with and am committed to. And now I'm going to set aside all the stuff that I'd like to have and do that I would find amusing and would really like to play at because <laughs> children need their father or my wife needs her husband because that's what this is what we're saying when we say manliness yeah right like that that's what we're that's what we mean by that and it had that word has been hijacked for sure yeah. into like things that it kind of are the opposite of what we're saying well and that's where well, you can oh. go ahead go ahead lee well to get a little uh, philosophical on it you know there are things that have essential properties and things that have accidental properties and so what you're talking about steve are essential properties of manhood um and then these these other things that tend to like stand in for what it means to be a man whether it's cigar smoking or whiskey swilling or whatever uh which are things that that we're you know we can do in moderation 
Um, it's not necessarily bad, um, but those are what we would call an accidental property. These are things that men tend to do. And if we let those things that men tend to do overtake things that men should do that are essential to being a man, then you you begin to have disordered manhood. Yeah, and, and I think it also, this this if this is what, so all that we've just been talking about, if that's what manhood is supposed to look like, if that's what complementarian is supposed to look like from a man point of view, right? And, and I, I boiled down your definition, Steve, of headship. Um, there were a couple of words that you used that stood out to me. One was responsibility. And the other was blame, which is sort of the, the opposite the negative, end of yeah. responsibility, right? Yeah. So um, if, if we're going to, um, if we're going to lead our families, love uh, the church, um, serve the church, serve our families, if we're going to be complementarian, um, we're going to take responsibility, not like Adam who did not take responsibility, but took the blame, <laughs> right? The blame was cursed onto, like, it was his responsibility that he didn't take. We're going to take the responsibility. We're going to take the responsibility for our families. And, and a lot of what we're talking about is we have such a short view of, of the, the long game that we're actually playing that the reason that we don't um, sit down and read to our children at night and rather we would be watching TV or going and hanging out with the fellas or whatever is because we have such a short view, like what we're doing in the long term as, as men, as husbands, as fathers is so much more important. So that, that reading that book every single night with your, with your son or your daughter or your grandkid or whatever, that reading the Bible together is playing that long game. Your family will look completely different 25 years from now than it looks now because you read the Bible together every day versus how it will look 25 years from now if you sat on the couch watching TV every night at 6 p.m., right? Or went out with the fellas or, you know, went, went to, to poker night and did some manly thing. You know, sitting down and reading with your family that's going to change your life. It just doesn't happen in one night. It happens over a lifetime. Um, okay, so that's kind of a off topic. But some of the, what we're talking about here and some of the pushback that we get as complementarians is that it, um, uh, the, when, when men feel like they need to be in charge, they will say, um, that leads to um, uh, things like um, abuse of authority, it leads to um, uh, domestic violence in some cases or, or spousal abuse, right? It leads to those things. What, what is your argument against that? Do you have an argument against that? Well, I, I think one of the things, Just so one? let's recognize something about the nature <laughs> of authority in a sinful world. So we could talk about male headship in, in a marriage and in a family, we could talk about pastors, teachers, uh, the police, government officials, like pick your authority. In a sinful world, we won't have to look long to find someone misusing the authority. And the, right. and the, and the grosser and more horrific the abuse, the more we're going to hear about it. Right. The more it's going to be publicized because uh, 
it's uh, it's terrible and it also serves the purpose of undermining the idea of authority at all so so and and if we're honest with ourselves none of us like are super in love with the idea of someone being an authority over uh, me right i don't like there's some sure. part of us at least that kind of likes i don't want anybody telling me what to do i don't want somebody to have any in any sense of the word any sort of authority over me and we're all anarchists so, deep down yes. inside <laughs> well we want to be autonomous and yeah. to include with god yeah right but that's a broader discussion so <laughs> one of the so when we talk about for example headship within the family and being and loving with a husband's loving with a Christ-like love, part of what we would all say is constitutes biblical manhood is being a protector and and being uh, someone who uh, a, a husband who cares with his wife in a gentle and tender way, and the guy who comes home. Dr his wife around because you know there was rust on the can opener as one comedian uh used that example <laughs> isn't we, we're not going to say oh you got us we're not going to take ownership over that in any way we are going to rightly point out that is not what we're talking about when we say headship we're we're, we're not saying and so that means if she mouths off you know pop her in the chops that is not what we are talking about here. We're talking about uh, being a protector as opposed to yeah. an abuser. Yeah. And just because, yes, there are ugly, awful examples of that doesn't mean, well, we just discard the whole thing. Yeah, so you could argue that if, uh, well, it's more than an argue. You, you, we could say that th those who are abusers, whether it's an abusive authority within the church or uh, in a family, domestic violence or something like that, um, uh, that they are actually not, th th those are men who are not doing what God has called them to do. They are serving themselves and not those that God has put under their, uh, given the responsibility for. Um, um, you know, we, you are responsible, uh, to, like you said, to protect your family. And, um, it, that might even be from our, that is even from my, mm -hmm. I'm responsible to protect my wife, my children from my sin. Right. Right. I, I am like, I am really bad <laughs> apart from Christ. Right. I'm totally depraved apart from Jesus Christ. And, um, uh, so I need to protect probably even first and foremost, my, now that makes me sound like I'm a monster, but, but I, I mean, without Christ, right. We are. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I need to first and foremost, protect my family from whatever the sin is that, that easily entangles me, um, whether that's laziness and, you know, an unwillingness to go out and get a job. I have to protect my my by getting up and going to work, right? We have to protect our families. Um, so I would argue that when people say 
Um, oh, you know, that's just a, a, a grab for authority. Uh, the complementarians are obsessed with males being in charge, with men being in charge. I would say, no, that's how God created us. And it's a, it's a constant dying to self. And if we are constantly dying to self, then we're not going to be obsessed with authority. We're not because, because, um, uh, so there's a, a sobering verse, Hebrews 13, um, uh, tells, um, so the preacher of Hebrews there tells the church or the, the Hebrew people um, uh, to submit to the elders of the, those who taught, it says those who taught you God's word, and, and the context is clear, it's the elders, um, submit to your leaders, those who taught you God's word, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. That is sobering. That isn't just simply submit to your leaders because I said so. <laughs> it's submit because they're going to give an account for how they shepherded you, what they taught you. That should be sobering. And it should, it should make um, godly elders uh, run to Christ for help instead of our flesh and our own desires and desire to make a big, big church. You know, you know what I want is a thousand people. That's a thousand people in your church that you have to give an account for before God. Do you really, do you really know what you're asking for? <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you big, uh, uh, was it like, uh, all I can think of is Stephen Furtick, like these, these multi-site people. These, yeah. They just want sorts. these giant churches and it kind of becomes built around their personality that person is going to give an account for so many reasons, so many ways that they shepherded the flock. Is is that really what you want? In, in, the, in a lot of those cases, for people he's never met and does not know and could not pick out of a lineup. Right. And may not right. care to know. <laughs> right. Actually. Right. 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 People who couldn't even get an appointment to sit down with him a year from now. Now, I want to be, I agree with that. And I want to be That's careful. A little, uh, I, I want to be just careful in one thing. There are faithful pastors of large churches that don't mm -hmm. know everybody. Like, think of Spurgeon, mm -hmm. right? He didn't know everybody at the church yeah. or Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, or there are some that are living that are faithful and don't know everybody at the church, but they're faithfully teaching God's word. So Spurgeon, mm -hmm. faithfully teaching God's word. He's going to be held to account for that. Um, and like the but he also the, shouldn't be alone the plurality of elders is a right that's right yeah, there, there's got to be some oh, okay. elder there, who could pick them out of a lineup right 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 <laughs> you, go to, you go to john MacArthur's church in california and he, there's no way that he can know 20 i don't know how many exactly. people thousands of people right he's up front he's preaching um you can on sunday nights you can go down and, and meet him mm -hmm. <laughs> that's kind of the extent of yeah. it though it's just no way but there are a whole bunch of elders and teachers under him that are doing the shepherding you go to a big a big mega church where it's just all about the the, the personality and you're just watching a show mm -hmm. that's it yep. you're you're not you, you might have friends there that'll help you but you're not going to be shepherded yeah. it's the um, same as going to a concert <laughs> you're yeah, not getting right. any yeah right, you're not right. getting any performance and and yeah. no one's caring for your soul right that's what we're saying that's going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, and, and I the think first, the common, yeah. the common denominator here is is being God centered in in all of it. So loving God primarily and wanting to honor God 
uh, as you continue in your sanctification is going to lead you to decisions that might confuse the world. In fact, probably should confuse the world. Uh, one of those is taking that church leadership responsibility seriously, which is why we critique some of these guys, because they appear to not take it seriously, likely do not. Um, we would criticize that that husband lording his headship, his God-given headship authority over his family, lording it over them with cruelty. We would we would judge that person. We we would uh, we would confront that person if he were in our church, right? We would there would be steps taken because that is also not evidence that that he's loving God, uh, along with loving his family, because yeah. he's not honoring God's good design for the man being the head of his family because he's misusing that authority. He's not loving his family as Christ loved the church. Uh, he's not He's not in any way mirroring what Christ has done for us, is not putting that forward and teaching his children well by example in that role. Um, and so it's not like if you're a complementarian only because you want to have complete control over the members of your household, you're not actually yeah. a complementarian because the, the whole goal of complementarianism is to honor God in acknowledging his good design for the institution of the family, for the institution of the church, uh, and on and on. Um, and if we're not doing that, we've not only failed to be complementarian, we really are failing in our Christian walk, in our own sanctification, and we should repent, and we should seek to be restored yeah. by Christ and to, to um, administer that authority that he's given us well better than we I think have. i think i think you're onto something there like that whole concept of so you're not a you're not a complementarian if you're seeking your own you know if you just want to be in charge and whatever um you're actually an authoritarian right <laughs> yeah and, that, and, and there's a caricature of the, the, the other side that would say that all complementarians are authoritarian that, that that's what that's the caricature and and we're saying no the role of a of a um, whether it's within the church or marriage, and, and those things are, are overlapping here, um, the, the role of the husband in a complementarian relationship, the role of the man, is to serve. It is Christ-like service, um, dying to self and serving others, wife, children, church, etc. But it is dying to self. It's not just being in charge and taking responsibility. Um, yeah. so I have a bunch of more questions where, how are we at with time? So over, we are so yeah. over. let me, right. say, let, let me say one other thing about the, just the, the, the idea of complementarianism and headship here and, yeah. and the role of that husband and father. So part of that dying to self is I'm going to establish a culture for the sake of people who are little children now, but will one day be husbands and wives and parents and so in this house i'm going to treat their mother a certain way in this yeah. house uh my, my, my sons are allowed to play with each other in a way that they're not allowed to play like that with their sisters because right. i'm trying to establish a culture and teach them something like when we say headship we're talking about a guy leading in in things that are looking 20 40 years down the road like that's your job dude like you should be thinking about these things and establishing household rules and culture for a reason and then and then your your lord willing your wife is gonna like 
support that and hey we don't do that in this house and here's why and all those things so it's 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 not how can i wring whatever i want out of this woman and these kids in order to like <laughs> that's not those that's something very different yeah so yep. so it looks like we're going to be at a two-parter because there's more i think so <laughs> pick up on some of that next yeah. time so you want to bring us to the ladder, Lee? Do we have a ladder today? We do. We do indeed. I'd be glad to to start the first rung of the ladder. Um, I'm recommending a uh, a short book. Uh, this is a collection of sermons by Lemuel Haynes. Might not be exactly a reformed household name, um, but I have really loved his sermons. He was a uh, pastor. Um, a Congregationalist pastor during the American Revolutionary War. He's actually the first uh, ordained minister in the United States, although it was before it was called the United States, so that's a bit anachronistic. Um, he was also a black man um, yeah. and uh, was just phenomenal. Um, wow, how'd I get all blurry? Uh, anyway, um, Great. I love this little book. Um, you brought up race. You brought up race. That's how it got up. Man, I, made I ruined awkward. everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, really good short book. Um, if you like reading sermons from the past, uh, highly recommend it. Selected sermons by Lemuel Haynes. There will be a link. Excellent. Steve? So I have one that's uh, a little bit different. I've done a couple like these. Ooh that aren't necessarily theological nerd books, but mine is uh, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh. Uh, by Robert Lewis Stevenson. I think this is one of so those good. books that uh, isn't, a, like I said, it's not a theological nerd book, but I think it it's might lead to some though. interesting theological discussions. Let's put it that way. I don't want to, you know, ruin it for anybody if you haven't read it, but it would be, it's an he easy read. It's not very long. Uh, and I think it would be a fun book to read, and then that might lead to some interesting discussions with uh, your kids or with whoever you want to read it with. Uh, and it's just a little something different. I'm trying to mix it mix it up here with some different types of books. So, and if you have the time to do happened. a little compare and contrast with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, that that would be yeah. some intellectual and mm -hmm. theological nerdery right there. That that could make an appearance up the ladder at some point, also. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, mine is Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle. This nice. is the Banner of Truth edition. I also have. This is just a. I don't know. Whoa. This is this is a different. It is it. It's actually more expensive. Banner of Truth. Fancy. But I like the banner. So Banner of Truth, uh, J.C. Ryle, Thoughts for Young Men. This is excellent. It's thin. It's quick, easy reading. It it read it it's a good it's a great book cool lee well the lord bless you and keep you <laughs> the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace amen, amen.